hey, the content of this show we believe is not suitable for minors because we're going to be talking about adult things. So you may want to have your little ones, you know, get in front of the TV, grab a book, but uh, use discretion. And we've given our little warning. Hey, friends, welcome to the Victor Marks podcast with Victor Marks, founder of All Things Possible Ministries. Welcome to the show where we bring you real conversations faced with life's hard truths, stories of redemption, and the latest from the front lines. Whether you're on the road, getting your day started, or finally settling in, we've got an exciting new episode planned for you. So let's dive in to today's show. Hey, welcome to day two of an incredible broadcast. This is something that people are responding to and are leaning forward to hear more about. Uh, we're talking with a friend and a colleague, Dr. Robert L. Perkins. He's a professor of applied psychophysiology. He's an expert on how trauma and stress is actually affecting your body. You want to listen to yesterday's broadcast. If you have not, make sure you go back to my podcast and listen, because, man, it was just fantastic things. But today, uh, we're, we're moving into our next session where... As yesterday, we talked about there is a traumatic stress in them going on with COVID-19, and it's not just a new name, and it's not an excuse. There's really people suffering, and many of you understand that. Yesterday, we talked about, man, what, what are the issues? Why aren't we doing better with treating PTSD? And the good doctor stepped up and told some truth that would probably hurt the feelings of the industry. Well, I would just say industries that make money from it. Uh, but today. I'm excited to have you back on, Dr. Perkins. Thank you for coming back. Pleasure to be here. There's a thing called the Great Reset coming. What is this, and why are people making such a big deal of it, and how can we be ready? Well, if you understand the dynamics of critical incidents and stress and pandemics, the fact of the matter is this. Things will never go back to normal. They will never be the way that they used to, and there's no possible way to achieve that. So we talk about uh, creating what the new normal is going to be. And so the, many people refer to this as the Great Reset. The problem is, is that, you know, when the pandemic is finally under control, and, you know, I'm, I'm going to throw this out there. I, I see that has happening between, say, December 2021, January 2022, where we really stopped reading about it. We stopped seeing it on the news every day and we, we're gotten to that point. We're going to have this reset. We're going to establish this new normal. All these people who have been off work, they're going to be going to work. They're going to be so happy. They're going to be so elation. They're able to do all of these things that they weren't able to do for almost two years. And then about two weeks into that, all of the symptoms um, associated with being exposed to stress and trauma are going to start to manifest themselves. And we're talking about a global population. So when this pandemic is over, uh, we will face an epidemic of mental health the world has never seen. And mark my words, five years from today, more people uh, will have died as a result of suicide from the stress of COVID-19 than will have ever whose lives were taken from the actual virus itself. That's heavy. We're, we're in a situation where we need to begin to prepare on how we're going to deal with this um, at every level, within the home, within our business, within our places of worship, within our government. This is not just America. This is the entire global 
population. And so we really have to be aware of that and start to plan um, on how we're going to, to deal with that. Because as, as Dr. Daniel Ammon has said, um, this is something that this stress is going to last for a generation. Uh, th those were his words. And I certainly agree with them. I mean, this is a heavy thing. People are listening in the audience knows that our one of our choice phrases around here is, hey, be prepared so you don't have to be paranoid. And, and that keeps the level of stress and fear and anxiety down. And what you're talking about is we do need to be prepared. It's, it's not over once you can take the mask off. I mean, kids are going to be in that generation of, yeah, do you remember when we had to wear masks? Do you remember when, you know, no one could go to school, you know, for a year? And that's something that we all realize that hasn't happened in our generation, you and I. Never. Uh, nursing homes where such a large percentage of those supposed to be in their final years of care and peace and comfort die needlessly. And that's why people are calling for Governor Cuomo's resignation and Janet Dean over at Fox. I mean, she's, she's leading that effort because there were a lot of things done wrong. And even the things that were done right, people are still suffering. Not to mention this stimulus bill just passed by President Biden, it's going to affect our nation's budget. Like, I mean, it's staggering. People understand. So what can we do to start preparing for this? Well, we can. The, the first step is awareness um, and knowing that, you know, everyone um, that's been exposed to the stress and the trauma. And I can't think of anyone in the entire planet uh, that wasn't touched by the stress of COVID-19 in some way, um, being aware that that's going to affect us, uh, be aware of sort of what those signals of distress may be as we either see them in ourselves or we see them in loved ones, we see them in our family or others, and start to look for the resources, practical resources that can be applied uh, to mitigate um, the, both the psychological, the emotional, and the physiological um, effects that that trauma is going to have on the human body. And, and leaders need to take steps. Business leaders need to take steps. Government leaders, the mental health profession, and, and you know, uh, places of faith. Every person who is a stakeholder in an individual's life um, has to take a leadership role because, you know, we're, we're not ready for this. So it's going to take everybody to step up to the plate and sort of get on the same page to help. Yeah, I remember a conversation you and I had recently where you came up with this idea that I absolutely loved, that every organization, business, school, house of worship, there needs to be one person appointed that could be, you know, you have your CEO, your COO, but some type of health care person that is there for people because this is now the new norm. The chief mental health officer or the chief mental wellness officer. And mm -hmm. and this is a, an exciting program. Uh, I'm launching with another colleague, uh, Wendy Patrick, very well-known uh, CNN Fox uh, media commentator, who's also the assistant DA in uh, San Diego. No, we're, we're launching this initiative because it's very important. We talk about companies. Well, we have a CFO to guard our company's uh, money. Is it not prudent to have someone guarding the company's most valuable asset, which is the employees? And so if this person is the sort of designated person, um, and it's a health and safety perspective, but it's psychological safety. And so what we're doing is we're, we're establishing um, psychological safety practices in the same way that we would deploy uh, traditional health and safety practices. 
practices uh, in the workplace. And, you know, mental health issues, uh, they cost $50 billion a year in lost productivity uh, with companies. So this is a very win-win. Um, you're, you're going to save so much money. Um, every dollar that's invested into, into a program like this, you get $4 back. And you get that ROI because of reduced absenteeism, reduced sick time, reduced attrition, and increased productivity. But on top of that, you're caring about your employees um, because, you know, our employees are pretty good. You know, they'll tend to be very resilient. But you know what? After a year, people are running out of resilience. And so we need to look at ways uh, that are going to top up to inject that that energy and in, in what's needed. But we're going to need to do it in the workplace or, you know, you, this is dramatically going to affect the global business community as well. I absolutely love this concept that you're working on. And I know ATP wants to partner with you all to launch this because dealing with trauma, whether children or women or military, we get contacted a ton. First responders, active duty military, we need to be able to be part of the solution in a way where there is some type of chief mental health wellness officer at these businesses, churches, schools. So what is a person's background if they want to, I mean, there are people listening right now going, oh my gosh, I would love to do that. I have a passion to help people. Do they have to have a piece? No. The professional designation of a chief mental health officer um, was replicated just like a CFO. And, it, and basically, it's the completion of six courses that are set out uh, designed to give that individual the basic skill set necessary uh, to go into their business and to monitor the psychological uh, safety. And very important, this is not a medical position. It's not a mental health position. This is aimed for managers for senior executives that primarily his responsibility would be sort of either in under the HR umbrella or, or health and safety or, or training. And so they're the designated, they're the champion in their own organization that's going to undertake the uh, monitoring, evaluation, and controlling of the psychological uh, safety factors that exist in the workplace for their employees. I love it. Those of you listening, you're interested, you know, we'll definitely give the website, but you can always just go to victormarks.com and contact us through our website. Say, I would like more information on that. I'm very interested in getting my company or church or, you know, school district involved. We'll get you the information because this matters and it matters right now. Doc, I want to turn the corner a little bit. I have a question um, because, uh, you know, there's a real challenge with uh, what I would call male deviant behavior. How do you kind of define male deviant behavior and what are some of the causes of it? Well, if we're looking at defining male deviant behavior, I mean, that's behavior that would be contrary to a particular, I guess, sort of, sort of standard, you know, what, what your normal, what my normal and what sort of other people's. But if we want to look at it, well, let's talk about it from a, a, a sexual behavior perspective. Right. Um, you know, what causes that type of behavior? You know, it, it is the inability to perform basic uh, sexual functions. And when I say the word sexual function, the ability to maintain an erection and perform a sexual act without some kind of external stimuli. And generally, that behavior is 100% caused by continual overexposure to pornography. 
And, um, you know, there, there's something within the human body that, that requires this, this little sort of spark or this, this sort of shock that is, is necessary when uh, males are, are performing, um, you know, sexually. And when that gets numbed down, when people watch hours and hours, it, it becomes boring to them. It, it's like there's no edge. And so what happens is the content or genre of that particular pornography that they're watching begins to expand because what they're watching isn't doing it for them anymore. And so they'll slowly expand and expand. And this it usually goes one of two ways. It'll go into a sort of fetish or BDSM or it'll go into sort of very young girls. And, you know, what ends up sort of being fantasies that ends up becoming numb. And this, you know, and if you look at somebody like Bundy, and there's a very good interview done with Bundy by Dr. Dobson, where he explained what happened to him, that transition, it started with pornography, with like paper pornography, and it just manifests itself because that person, they'll become excited by something, but then all of a sudden it's not exciting anymore. And so they're continually what we call chasing the dragon. And they feel that this is uh, necessary in order for them to be able to perform sexually. Well, you know, I think of the reality how sex today is so, I mean, there's hardly any value in it. There are a lot of people suffering, a lot of marriages, all the way to the extent of what you're talking about. And we contested that because obviously all things are possible. We have a lot of effort, counter pedophile, counter sex trafficking that we, you know, identify those who have been affected by trauma. We seek to uh, insert risk. And to stop that, and then we bring in redemptive value of hope and healing. But on our justice piece, we go after, we hunt and capture bad guys. It's part of what we do. And just this week, a perpetrator of an eight-year-old girl who he'd abused horribly, we just captured. And we have all of our evidence. He's not going to get out of prison for a very, 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 very long time. And I would just say, again, most people don't start out thinking and fantasizing about children, but they go down this this wicked road and there's danger. There is. And it, it, there is an addiction. And we think about uh, porn addiction. Well, I'm just addicted to watching porn. No. Each time they're, they're looking at these these imagery, there's a chemical that's being released into their bloodstream. And that's what they become addicted to. And so they constantly crave that. The name of the chemical? You know, it's a combination of a multitude. It can be dopamine, epinephrine, adrenaline, uh, serotonin. It, it's it's whatever. Um, everyone is different. There's no one particular chemical, but it's it's producing a chemical uh, stimulant, a chemical release into the bloodstream, depending on the activity and depending on what that person is doing. And so, what happens is they become addicted to that feeling of that release. And and when they're um, continually looking at the same sort of uh, visualizations, and it's not doing it for them anymore, they still crave that. And so that's why they start to to go outside of the window of what people would consider to be the, the traditional uh, pornography and that pornography, you know, it, it leads into, okay, well now I'm, I'm not going to rape a woman, but I'm going to think about raping a woman and that produce, and then, and it goes on and it goes on and it goes on. It is a pathological progression of how a person uh, gets to sort of committing that, that act at the end. There's a lot of things that pornography brings but what you're talking about, it actually can turn into an addiction based on a physiological response, you know, that happens in your body and your brain starts to crave it. That's where we're trying to give people, uh, 
you know, and it does progress. You're like, well, I'm never going to get all weirded out. But you can't. It's like somebody drinking who says, I'll never become an alcoholic. How many alcoholics have said that'll never affect me? And they got bit by it. It's a double-edged sword, too, because not only is it an addiction, but again, when a when a male um, is in a position where he needs to perform sexually, um, he can't do it without it. And you know, the the wrestler, uh, if you remember Jake the Snake, um, he did an interview once where he ex- described exactly what happened to him and his lifestyle, and 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 sort of you know having you know one girl and two girls and three and all of these things. And he's like, at the end of the day. You can't go back to normal. You just can't. And so what happens? And so that that's what happens. It becomes a vicious cycle um, where, you know, it's not there are two issues that have to be addressed. Number one, there's the physiological issue. And number two, there's that that psychological, psychosocial issue. And if both of them aren't addressed at the same time. You know, you're 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 just relying on your willpower, and willpower when it comes to addiction um, is is not a very not a very good tool. Right. So the people listening right now, the wife going, "Oh my gosh, that's my husband. He needs help." Or the guy that's going, "Okay, that's me. I don't want it to get worse." Uh, you know, and I'm not up to you know seven women coming at me at one time. Is this reversible? Is there hope? Where do they go? Because we're not going to be able to answer this. They need this professional program. help, professional okay. help. So it's an issue that's everywhere. If you're dealing with addiction, you need professional. So you need someone that specializes in, in the treatment of sexual addictions. You're dealing with a physical addiction of a chemical that's being released because of a behavior that you're doing. So you need to break that cycle. So those of you listening right now, gosh, you're, I mean, y'all are leaning forward into this going, all right, we need help. We, where do we go? Well, I'm going to direct you to go to our website, victormarch.com, and look under resources. We have a resource page. We will have two or three options of where you can click to get professional help that we trust and recommend. And then those of you who maybe just want to get educated on it more, because this is, I mean, this is like you're going, wow, education is power and truth matters. Where? Doctor, where can they go? Because uh, I'd like them to be in touch with y'all regarding that. What website can they go to? Uh, they can go to a, a website that deals specifically um, with the sexological uh, issues that we were talking about. And that's www.mrn.solutions. And there you'll find some very sort of educational articles and, and science pertaining uh, to, to what's causing many of these problems. And I would, I would certainly encourage wives, go, uh, browbeating your husband and, you know, trying to find out and you're praying, you're exhausted. Maybe just get a little bit of education on this to go, my goodness, you know, addictions are debilitating. And we, we have an adult son who's now sober eight months. And I can't tell you how long we prayed for him, encouraged him, exhorted him, you know, just all these things just like, come on, get it right. And yet, when he went into professional treatment and went under, you know, the AA program, he got sober. Imagine that. So pornography is called a new drug, and, and it is an addiction, and we want to help our listeners get help for it. And condemning people and, and putting them down isn't, isn't help. Uh, there, there's a better way. Hey, Doc, uh, one more question, then we have to close. This, this will be a 
a short one, but an important one. What can we do as a society and culture to guard our youth from the perils of mental health right now? There's so many teen suicides going on. It's it's heartbreaking. Education, again, um, in levels of awareness of how the body responds to, to stress and trauma. Um, the pressure on, on, on tweens and, and teenagers with social pressure, with social media, and how that sort of cyber uh, bullying, I can't even grasp what that would be like when a person is feeling overwhelmed, when, they're, when they feel succumbed, or they just reaching out and asking for help and understanding it's okay not to be okay. We hear that word all the time, but it is. Um, all anybody who's a stakeholder, and that's government, that's faith groups, that's you know, uh, uh, parents, everybody, schools, education. We all need to be on the same page in providing resources. Because remember, you know, children that are going through this COVID time too, never been through this before. Tremendous amount of stress. So, you know, it, education, level of awareness, understanding what the resources are, and then as a culture and society, um, you know, holding people accountable and 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 setting some standards that what is acceptable what's not acceptable and what the penalties are. I mean, in the United States, I've, there, there have been some incidents of social um, bullying on social media that have resulted in suicide where people are being held criminally responsible. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's excellent. I think that's excellent. I agree with you. And that is a great response. I would say, hey, on the personal level, one-to-one, you're a person that sees somebody stressed, a teenager struggling, just simply ask them a question knowing that you care by saying, hey, hey, you feeling overwhelmed? What, what's going on? Or, man, I can imagine the stress that's just pushing you down. Just be personal, one-to-one. Get people talking. That matters. And uh, plus everything the good doctor just said. So we are wanting to provide solutions and protect our country's greatest resource, which is our children and grandchildren. Uh, Dr. Perkins, I was very humbled when your institution uh, awarded me with an honorary PhD. Can you tell me why y'all did that? Tell my audience. If you if you look at sort of the true origins of a honoris causa a PhD, uh, honoris causa means uh, for the sake of honor. Um, and and what we were saying to you is that there your your films triggered and triggered too um, are so. Uh, valuable are, I would say, two of the best films talking about stress and trauma uh, that I have ever seen in my entire academic career, that we have incorporated both of those films into the curriculum um, of the trauma intervention uh, skill sets that we teach people in critical incident stress debriefing. But the great news is that those videos, they have happy endings. I mean, so right. many videos that we see we're dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder, they don't have very happy endings. And so the, the, the fact that it, they give people hope that you know, if you're finding yourselves in sort of the the shackles of PTSD now, it's not going to be like this for the rest of your life. And unfortunately, that's what a lot of doctors and that's what a lot of practitioners tell people. Um, this is going to be the way it is. And that's not a very that's not a very great life to live. But there is hope and healing. And, and those videos are just tremendous. Well, thank you. I, for those of you listening or watching, you're like, hey, I don't even know about this triggered film. What are you what are you talking about now? I need to watch it. Just go to victormarks.com, and we actually have the films uh, on our website for free. 
and we'll send you a, uh, a corresponding workbook to help you work through it or someone you love because we do care. And uh, thank you for that, Doc. Last question. We're all going to die. It's part of our humanity, living and dying. What happens to Dr. Robert L. Perkins when he dies, and why do you believe that? What happens to him? Well, I will leave this earthly body, and uh, I will have the opportunity to uh, be before my heavenly Father and uh, the rest of my family who's uh, saving me a chair up there um, because I, I, I'm a saved individual. I claim the that Jesus' death on the cross was the penalty for my sin and that he has given me uh, the gift of eternal life where I will be able to fellowship with him and my fellow believers uh, for all of eternity. And thank goodness that that is not based on what I am able to do or not do when I'm here on this earth. That's all I got to say about that. (laughs) Wow. Powerful and truthful. And I agree with you. That's where I find what I call my surety of salvation, is the cross and what Christ did. So again, hey, maybe you're listening and watching, and you're like, ooh, I don't have that assurance. Then go to our website. We will gladly help you find the truth as we see it through God's word and the death and resurrection of his son Christ, because he was either a liar, a lunatic, or the son of God, guaranteed. Well, Dr. Perkins, thank you for being on the broadcast these two days. Powerful stuff. My pleasure. Uh, identifying issues and challenges, but then providing solutions. And I'm so grateful. And I have got a very strong feeling that you will be a repeat offender here on the broadcast because you're, you're, you're loaded with gold. <laughs> and uh, so we're glad that you joined us today on this edition of the Victor Mark show. And you can find out more information about this broadcast and uh, episode one with Dr. Perkins by simply going to our website, victormarks.com. We appreciate you guys. And remember, whatever you do, Do it full throttle for the glory of God and get it done. See you next time. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'd love to stay connected with you and invite you to the conversation beyond this podcast. You can check out more of the work we're doing around the world at victormarks.com, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all linked in the show notes. Be sure to drop us a comment in the review section if today's show has impacted you in any way or if there's anything you'd like to hear more of. We're always encouraged to hear from you. Thanks for spending your time with us. Until next time.